Welcome, Gas Eds, to this build-up episode of GasCast for the Charlton game at home on Saturday. Pleased to say I'm joined by Louis from Charlton Live. Welcome, Louis. Evening, how are you doing? Yeah, not too bad. Um, before we get into the football stuff, uh, I wanted to get your views on your own, on your owner, Roland Dush. Oh, I can't do the surname. I'm going to give up on it. <laughs> um, his recent demand uh, that the EFL buy uh, Charlton from him. Um, I was wanting to get your views on that and actually um, just maybe a little rundown of uh, the history of his ownership uh, okay. for, for those of us who don't uh, know the ins and out of it. Yeah, I think a crazy suggestion uh, like in the EFL to buy the club is probably the logical conclusion of where it's been going so far because it's just been a four and a half, nearly five years of absolute chaos at the Valley. It's um, uh, He bought the club. I mean, our previous owners were no saints actually and uh, they were, they'd run out of money and the club needed someone to come in desperately and uh, in what seemed like the space of about two weeks he'd bought the club uh, you're looking at I think it's January 2014 he came in um, almost immediately sold some of the better players Jan Kermagunt who ended up helping to fire Reading uh, to, to the Premier League I think it was or to the playoffs at least and um, uh, sold the likes of Dale Stevens. Uh, not long after that he sacked Chris Powell for not playing um, some of the players he'd bought in. Now, th- th- there's so much to talk to, to tell you with Roland, but basically he, he owned a network of clubs uh, across Europe, including one of the, the biggest clubs in Belgium. He owned Standard Liège at the time. Um, and uh, he shipped over quite a few of his players to Charlton at the time, and they were just, not, the majority of them, not good enough. So Powell wasn't playing them. Uh, du Châtelet was emailing him at the time, telling him that you should be playing them, or asking at least why he wasn't playing them. Uh, eventually, Powell got sacked, and then the first of what I think was eight managers in the space of about three years came in. Jose Riga uh, kept us up in the championship that year. The next year was a a bit of a shaky one, but eventually we stayed up and I think finished about twelfth. And then finally, the next year was when it it really started to hit the fan. We had um, it's, the season started off with Guy Luzon as as manager. Um, he he had done okay the season before, but he, he ended up struggling. Uh, he was replaced. He was sacked and then replaced somewhat bizarrely by Carol Fry, who was a Belgian third division manager. Um, unsurprisingly, that didn't go very well. Um, Riga then came back, but by then it was too late, and uh, we, we we went down to League One, where we've been ever since. Um, the interesting thing about, I mean, uh, like I say, there's there's a lot of gaps we could fill in here, but we'll be here all night if I told you. <laughs> anything. Um, but th- since. Over a year now, the club has officially been up for sale. I think Roland's admitted that he made a huge mistake coming in. His CEO, Catherine Mayer, uh, left the club just before or just after Christmas 2017, and at which point Duchatelet went on the record saying that he's willing to sell the club. Um, but clearly he hasn't yet. The problem is his asking price is somewhat ridiculous. He's been quoting some people... 65 70 million pounds for for a club in league one i mean fair enough we're in london but there's no way on earth that charlton are worth that amount of money um i think he believes that the value of the land should be included in the price even though it could never be used for anything other than a football stadium um and so this this efl rant recently which obviously has made the headlines it sort of came to a head i think it's it's a for a couple of reasons firstly i think he blames the efl for the financial fair play rules in the championship changing when he first came in, there was a an amount you were allowed to lose, which then the member clubs voted that it would be slightly more. 
Um, and when that happened, all of a sudden, it was a little bit out of his price range. So he felt like he wasn't getting value for money. So A, he's blaming that our troubles over the years on the EFL, which is probably a bit bizarre. And secondly, um, another thing you may have seen in the news is that some Charlton staff have been uh, denied some bonuses that they feel they're entitled to. Um, and uh, he asked the EFL to investigate. And sure enough, the EFL investigated and said, well, they probably are entitled to these bonuses. So Roland's not happy um, and so, yeah, it all, all came to a head with this bizarre suggestion or demand, as, as he said, that the EFL should take the club. And, and fair play to the Football League, and I'm not going to say that too often, but they did respond to it uh, and they, they did rule it out. They said it, it, they might uh, represent a slight conflict of interest there. <laughs> yeah, fair enough. Are there any um, potential new owners on the horizon or is it? Well, there's 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 a few names that have been going around for a while or, or or hints of people so there's an australian consortium that's been involved well they, we first heard of them long before we even were told the club was officially for sale i think you're going back to about april 2017 that they were first mentioned now it's um it's been said that they even agreed a price with roland and now for whatever reason they've gone back they, they don't seem to be completing and it's believed because they complete, they maybe they shouldn't have agreed it in the first place. But yeah, that, that's one group that's been floating around. Uh, supposedly, there's a British consortium somewhere uh, that we don't really know what what that is. And then recently, uh, the Evening Standard was reporting last week uh, that a 35 million pound bid from a former banker, uh, unnamed former banker, had gone in. Uh, and I mean the the Voice of the Valley fanzine, which is very well well informed on this sort of. Uh, stuff over the weekend said that Duchatelet didn't even respond to it. So, you know, if it's, if it's not anywhere near the £70 million he thinks he's going to get for a League One club, um, then he's not going to he's not going to accept it. So, it's been going on for, what, well over a year now. We're absolutely nowhere closer to that. And it's, it's, it's causing harm because, because he's trying to sell the club. We haven't actually spent a single penny on a transfer fee in three transfer windows now. It's still... Yeah, it's crazy. It's crazy um, that we aren't for a club supposedly of Charlton's size in League One, and you know, I mean, we are a club that's still challenging for promotion even now. But you'd think we would have spent a couple of quid to try and to try and help Lee Bowyer to to you know we we could have been challenging for top two rather than just in the playoffs. Yeah, like you said, despite not kind of spending any money, um, it's still fifth, well in the playoff hunt. Um, looking at your last results, um, a pretty handy win against Portsmouth. Mm. Um, and yeah, you haven't lost in the last five. Um, Rovers, by contrast, have, have won twice in the league. Uh, well, won twice in our last five. But um, I mean, it's it's such a massive improvement on our form before anyway. So it's uh, an absolute uh, amazement that we're, we're winning games now. Um, yeah. How have Charlton been playing over those last kind of five games or so? Yeah, I, I think we've just started to pick up again now. Um, sort of going into Christmas, uh, I mean, it, the first half of the season, we've suffered with injuries a fair bit as well, which which held us back. But going into Christmas, uh, when we still had Carl and Grant here in particular, um, we, we had a, a couple of nice res- results just, just after Christmas. Um, and I really thought, right, here we go. But then, then Carl and Grant, who was, you know, one one half of our, what I said was the best front two in League One, with Lyle Taylor, he got sold to Huddersfield. There was no reinvestment, as we know, in the in the squad, and that and that certainly that knocked us 
knocked us back a little bit. We had a, I think we went four without a win. We weren't playing well. It coincided with Lyle Taylor having a free game ban as well, which didn't help. So all of a sudden, our our two main goal threats were were out of the team. Um, but since since Taylor's come back from his ban and d- just got settled back into it, um, last couple of games we've looked back on it. Now we got a, a bit of a scrappy win at Wimbledon two or three game the three games ago. Um, last minute winner, which can always lift you. And then we went to Doncaster last week, another side within the, the playoff race and dominated for large spells. Although at the same time, we were lucky then that we ended up drawing one all. Um, and Donnie had a goal ruled out for offside with the last kick of the game, which was hugely contentious. If I'm being, I mean, it was, it probably should have been a goal if I'm being. <laughs> Then, uh, but it was a good performance, which was probably more important, and and keeping the gap we had above Doncaster in that in that race for the playoffs, and then Pompey coming to the Valley on on Saturday. Uh, I'm sure every team likes to make excuses for why they might not win, but we we have a dreadful record on Sky. Every game we've been on Sky, we always seem to lose, so people were nervous about that. But I mean, we we again we completely dominated Portsmouth, other than the last ten minutes when they came back into it and. The, 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 it was it was strange to see the the valley was absolutely rocking, which is probably hard to imagine when you consider that the attendances are so far down and what they they can be because there's a fair amount of fans boycotting under under the owner. But the the atmosphere was brilliant. I mean, Lee Bowyer uh, spoke to him after, and you could see that he was really satisfied with with his team's performance. And it just felt like now we've just got back on track. Now after that little that little distraction of losing Carlin and that nasty run that we had um at the you know, that four games without a win it just feels like we're we're getting back to something approaching our best now which I'm imagine is probably the last thing you wanted to hear yeah absolutely obviously um are you feeling kind of confident that you'll make playoffs and do well there or uh, well I'm confident <laughs> we'll make them now um so it'll be second season running as well last it's actually this time last year that Bowyer took over from Carl Robinson we were 10 points uh, we're five points adrift with 10 games left to go and we, and we made it. Now, with 10 games left to go this season, we've got an eight-point gap on um, uh, Peterborough down in seventh. And obviously, this is before the Tuesday evening games as well. So yeah, it could be even better by by the time that this, this goes out. But, you know, I, I'd be shocked if we didn't make it now. Um, how we get on in the playoffs, I mean, it's, everyone says it was, it's a major lottery. I think we're in a better position this year than we were last year because just I mean despite the fact we did finish in the playoffs last year we did it was a little bit like we didn't have much of a goal threat if Tariq Fossey who was our star man last year wasn't playing and he got injured in the run-up to the playoffs so we we looked pretty blunt and lost both games against the Shrewsbury team who are very organized one nil in both legs so I was a bit you were disappointed with what happened last year but like I say I think we're in a better position this year um, the likes of Lyle Taylor, he, he's got to be up there as one of the best in the league up front. And you know, we've we've got some midfielders. Johnny Williams is coming from Palace, who um, has comes with a lot of pedigree about him, and he's, he's very highly rated. Uh, and he can be a very much a handful for teams. And then also Joe, the likes of Joe Rebo midfield as well. We've got players who can create stuff out of nothing now, which I think at times, perhaps last year when we were struggling, we we didn't have it as much. So. You know, it's it's a lottery. Our, our record against top six other teams this season has been pretty good as well, which um, wasn't the case last year. So if we get in there, I mean, hopefully, hopefully, fingers crossed, we might get back to Wembley for the first time since 1998. <laughs> that was a long time, actually, yeah. Um, that leads me nicely on. I, I know you mentioned a few players there um, about your standout players. Um, 
just say about Lyle Taylor, I've I've been a quite an admirer of him for a few years now. Um, seeing him playing against Rovers for um for Wimbledon, I thought he was way above um their team's level. Is he kind of the main goal threat for your team this season? Yeah, him and him and Carlin when when Carlin was still here between them were. Uh, I think Carl, Carlin had 14 in the league. Uh, Lyle had, thir- well, has 13 in the league now. So yeah, he, he's our only one left who's the, the main goal threat. But he's he's about so much more than that. I mean, I remember seeing him play for Wimbledon as well. But he's a real nasty man. I was guess I don't know if I can swear on your podcast. <laughs> Feel free. We're we're quite a swear friendly uh, podcast. when you play against him, and it's the same when he plays for us. And his hold up play is second to none as well. Um, I remember. In pre-season, watching him play against just like a non-league, a local non-league team, but turning to one of my colleagues in, in the press box was telling me that he looks way too good for Jolton, and uh, I, I agreed with him. But he's um he's a real handful, technically very good, and yeah, he'll, he'll bring others into it. Um, and yeah, when I saw him playing at Wimbledon last year, I remember thinking I'd love it if we signed him, but I didn't think we had a chance. But uh, he turned down Sunderland to come to us, which is, uh, yeah, I think he's a Greenwich boy as well, where, where Charlton are from, so it probably helped. But yeah, he's uh, he's certainly our best player. Yeah, and thinking that Sunderland have maybe made a mistake spending four million on Will Grigg instead, you know, you never know. But yeah, you know, sure. he's he's meant he's absolutely meant. He scored against us on Tuesday night, actually, in the in the checker trade. He's 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 incredible. He really is a good player. Yeah, um, other good players of ours. So I mentioned Joe Aribo. He's been, um, uh, he, he's really coming to his own this year. He was pretty good last year. So he's like a, a, a young central midfielder, um, exquisite on the ball. Uh, it's something where he was out injured as well, um, Boxing Day and, and uh, the, the game at Barnes that we had just after Christmas where, you know, it, it was, before that, it was quite hard to, you didn't really notice him, but as soon as he was out of the team, you, all of a sudden you realised that we had no one who could keep possession of the ball in midfield and, and make us tick. And, uh, I mean, his performance, he got given man of the match by Sky on, on Saturday against Portsmouth and scored a brilliant goal. One of those ones that he made it look easy, but it was actually technically very good, brought it down uh, in the area with his back to goal and sent it through, uh, through a defender's legs into the far corner. Um, he, he just adds a little bit of zip and a bit of energy to the to the midfield um, out of contract at the end of the season, which is a running theme with the majority of Charlton squad. That's another thing I didn't even mention with the Roland stuff. Like, um, if, if we don't go up this year, or even, even if we do, I mean, next year is a bit a bit of a worry because we've got about ten players and on contracts at the moment, and he's a uh, he's one of them. And there's, I mean, I know we're trying to sort him out of contract, but I'll be shocked if he's here next year because he's one of many players who are probably slightly too good for us, especially under. Our current ownership, who who I can't imagine actually offer uh, that much uh, leeway in terms of wages and stuff, so he'll be he'll be gone next year as well. No, it's a shame. Yeah. Um, yeah, we we tend to run players on quite short short contracts at Rovers um, yeah. under under our previous manager Daryl Clark. It was to kind of to keep them hungry and yeah. keep them kind of working for a new contract, not just because you know the owners are Belland kind of thing. <laughs> horses for courses, I guess. Um, could I could I ask you for a score prediction on Saturday and, and why? Um, I'm gonna go with our renewed confidence again. Obviously, this is before our Burton game, so we get tonked four 0 tomorrow. I look stupid, but you know, I I enjoy going down to Bristol Rovers because it's a it's a nice it's a nice easy trip. It's a nice little ground. 
and also because we we've done quite well there the last couple of times. I was there for the the five one on the Tuesday night, and like, oh. we had a, the, the one all draw. Um, obviously, Rovers have struggled a bit this year. It gave gave us a decent game actually in the, at the Valley. It took up until the 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 last minute before we we really saw him off. But I mean, like I say, with our renewed confidence, I'll go there and I'll see us. Uh, Getting a couple of goals, we're quite hard to to break down normally as well. We've got a defender in Nabi Saar who's uh, uh, really playing well at the moment. So I think, yeah, I think maybe a two 0 to Charlton. Yeah, that's fair enough. Um, yeah, we've got uh, Johnson Clark Harris at the moment. He scored something like uh, five goals in his last four games. So I think that could be. Um, I think I think we'll get one. Uh, hopefully, that'll be the only goal of the game. <laughs> Oh, well, uh, yeah, we'll see. <laughs> um, so, yeah, that's all, all we've got time for on this one. Um, thank you very much for your time. Um, where can those people who are interested in Charlton Live find you? Oh, yeah, so we're on charltonlive.co.uk is our website. Um, at Charlton Live is our Twitter. Uh, obviously, we're on all the, the podcast apps. We're on Acast and iTunes and, and whatnot. Um, yeah, if you want to come and listen to our, our big match preview in particular and looking ahead to to Bristol Rovers because uh, I'll have you on it talking from a more Bristol Rovers point of view as well. But yeah, if you want to, if you want to try and find us, we'll have, uh, we'll have Lee Bowyer looking ahead to the game as well. So you can look for tips and uh, try and find out how we're, how he's planning on beating you. <laughs> Lovely stuff. Um, so yeah, all that remains for me to say is thank you, Louis. Um, thank you for listening. Um, if you enjoyed this, please subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. Same as Charlton Live on all the usual Spotify and Acast and iTunes and all that, and um, up the gas. <laughs>